You are tuning in to Missouri NEA Connects, a podcast to focus on all things Missouri education, from policy to practice, so that each of us can unite, inspire, and lead from where we are. We're happy you're here. So, July 14th has come and passed. Yes. Explain what happens on July 14th and what happens after that date and why any special sessions might convene. So the, we may have talked about some of this before, but the the constitution kind of spells out the school calendar for the legislature, the legislative calendar. Mm -hmm. So they, they have to quit debating bills on a particular Friday at 6 PM in May. Uh, It's the second Friday after the first Monday. So it's always like 12th to the 19th, somewhere in there. Yes. Then they have to, on May 30th, they have to have all their loose ends tied up. They have to go in, get the final versions of all the bills, get them signed in technical sessions, and send them up or over to the governor's office. Mm-hmm. Um, because at that point, they have to do what's called adjourn signy die. So they can't do anything else in the session. They hand the bills off, and then they're done. And then the governor has 45 days from that point, May 30th, to look at the bills. All of his agencies have already kind of been paying attention. You know, like as soon as the session's over or a bill is truly agreed, the agency staff are looking. If if it matters to them, they're looking it over. They do what's called a bill review. So they'll be looking at the finance, you know, what do we have to have new staff, do we have to change rules, et cetera, et cetera. And so they look at, at those things, and then they make comments, and then the governor decides, do I sign the bill, do I veto the bill? And, of course, the governor also has the option to just do neither, which is, in the state case, it's actually like a pocket signature, like it still goes into effect if he doesn't sign it by July 14th and he doesn't veto it, it's like he signed it on July 14th. Right. And so that's kind of like his deadline. He actually didn't have much left on his plate by July 14th. They didn't pass that many bills and he didn't uh, wait until the July 14th on very much. And so by like the seventh, he had mostly done what he was going to do. And of course the budget year starts the old budget year ends on June 30th, so typically a governor will be actually doing his final actions on the budget bills on June 30th or maybe even prior. Mm-hmm. And he did he did that on the 30th, so there was like uh, $1.7 billion in appropriations in the bills, more than what he asked for, and he ended up vetoing. 555 million of that on the mm-hmm. 30th. And then he ended up signing almost every other bill. I think the only bill he vetoed was Senate Bill 186, which had to do with like criminal procedure and records and expungement. And there were some details of that that he didn't like. Mm-hmm. So he said, you know, there's pieces of this bill I like, I would sign, go, you know, uh, come back. Basically, I think he said, come back next year. So I don't have any hints 
directly from the governor's office to anticipate a special session. Okay. Um, at this point, he signed everything except for that one, and he didn't seem to feel like that one had to be done in special session. There wasn't mm-hmm. any any conversation about that in his veto message. Okay. So, but um, there were a few things relating to education that were passed, although a lot of the big things kind of went down in flames the last week of session. Can you go over those for us? Yeah. And the, you know, I think the thing that is probably most relevant to the most folks in education is that we, we actually had some good things that we've been trying to accomplish pass in school retirement provisions. Nice. So yeah, most of the, except for St. Louis city and Kansas city school district, everybody else who's in public school is either in PSRS or peers. They cover all the rest of the state and they have the same board and they kind of work together. One is for certificated positions. The other is for the non-certificated positions and five different provisions. So we had two bills, Senate bill 20 wasn't a school retirement bill, but it was a retirement bill and you know, they grow. So it got the school retirement stuff put onto it. Senate Bill 75, Rusty Black is the sponsor of that. That started its existence as the school retirement bill. So one of the things that we got, historically, we had had an enhanced benefit factor for people who work more than 30 years. Um, In its prior form, it had been 31 plus. When they brought it back this year, you you have to have 32 or more years of service credit. If you do, then the multiplier you'll have times your years of service and final salary is going to be 2.55%, not 2.5%. Mm. And so that will be for people who... Reti- so the effective date um, of the bills, if we've talked about July 14th when the governor has to sign, 45 more days gets you to August 28th. That's the normal effective date. Yeah. And we didn't didn't have many bills with an emergency clause. And okay. so all these retirement things have an effective date, like the law springs into being now that he signed this. It becomes the law on August 28th of this year. So if you retire on or after that date, then you would look at the uh, enhanced benefit factor of 2.55%. People who retired prior wouldn't, uh, it would not apply to them. They'd use their old, the 2.5 benefit factor if they were at 30 plus. Another provision that is in there, which is helpful probably, is we have a provision that was done a couple years ago for folks who are PSRS retirees, who are then coming back and working part-time in non-teaching positions, like if you're helping out in the in the enrollment office or uh, driving a bus, something that isn't a certificated position, right. we had an earnings limit of 60% of the minimum salary of 25000 You multiply that, you get 15000 per year, mm-hmm. which you know for some folks was like you could do stuff most of the year, but then you'd have to quit you know, before the year was over. Right. And so that was significantly bumped up. So now... For the next five years, unless they change it, 
for the next five years, it'll be, there's like a social security earnings limit for folks who are under the normal retirement age. And that number was used as a number. And then they took 133% of that, which is like 28,000 uh, and some change, 28,249. So for the next five years, if you're working part-time as a ret- PSRS retiree, you can work in the non-certificated position, bus driver, whatever, you know, any of those sorts of positions and earn up to 28000 and keep your PSRS pension while you're doing so. Mm-hmm. And you can also, if you have the time and, and are interested, you can also be working part-time as a teacher and earn up to 50% uh, of the s- normal salary for that position as you fill it. Wow. Um, so those are separate. Mm-hmm. And you, you can do both of either or both of those independently and okay. still keep your PSRS pension. Wow. Which is, a, you know, it's an effort to try to, we're, you know, we're, we're, for a variety of reasons, we're mm-hmm. really seeing uh, difficulty in having people um staying in or being recruited into teaching positions and other mm-hmm. public education positions. The legislature is trying to say, well, maybe the, the retirement system can help uh, encourage people who are retired and interested to come back in and yeah. you can keep your pension while still earning some money and helping out. Um, that provision doesn't go into effect till August 28th, but nobody's going to be making probably in a, part-time or non-certificated position between the time school year starts, you know, whatever that is right. in, in August and a week later, you're not going to be earning 15,000 bucks. And so pretty much that thing will apply for everybody doing that in this coming school year. Nice. Yeah. We also had the legislature in the same package. They extended there's, we've had for 20 years now, a thing called, critical shortage mm-hmm. option where there were some hoops that a district could go through. But if they're struggling to find somebody for a specific position, right. um, they have the option to use somebody who is a retiree for up to two years. Okay. And there's a certain, you know, there's a certain number of, I think it's five certificated, five non-certificated per district. And so the legislation which will go into effect August 28th, increases that from two years to four years. Okay. And in conversation with the retirement system, they're putting out guidance to employers to allow, it's like if you are somebody who's been doing that for two years and you thought you were about to have to stop, they're actually going to try to arrange it so that that thing will basically allow you to continue without interruption. And it also increases so the total number of it instead of being in separate bins, mm-hmm. it puts the the district can use up to one percent of the total number of teaching and non-certificated staff positions in the district with critical shortage. We have never really seen districts using it to that extent, but right. that's now that you know what's allowed has been increased. To help alleviate some pressure from the shortage. Yeah, and, and in particular, that was looking at, you know, the thing was drafted in such a way that, you know, five staff isn't very much in, you know, 
Springfield, Columbia, or North Kansas City, whereas it's a lot in, you know, Couch or New yeah. York or mm-hmm. Haiti. Oh, yeah. So it's trying to make it be a little bit more proportional for small and large districts. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, our good friend, Kathy Steinhoff, mm-hmm. longtime Missouri a member and now member of the House, mm-hmm. got put into a number of provisions, including... Senate Bill 20 and Senate Bill 75, some language. So the department had changed the status of speech implementers Mm -hmm. and changed the, you know, kind of changed how that, that model and, you know, moved some folks who were, had been within PSRS through a certificate into the potentially into the non certificate category. And the language they adopted essentially preserves the ability for a set of folks who were employed as speech implementers before about a year ago and who were going forward employed as speech language pathology assistants, they can continue to participate in PSRS as they kind of continue their work. So they don't have to make a transition because that really, that really messes up your situation with regard to retirement if you have to change between systems right so that's a real positive it's a small set of folks it's like i think 20 individuals but it makes their situation a lot more stable and financially manageable and for anyone in the future who is also in that well to clarify yeah if they happen to be in that situation but going forward folks are probably going to if they come in they're going to start off as a speech language pathology assistant and be in peers. So they won't, there's be, there'll be no transition right, right, for those right. folks. So it kind of winds down that situation without causing undue hardship to the folks who are kind of towards the back end of their work. Yeah. Um, and then one provision that was in 75, wasn't in 20, but mm-hmm. it did become law. A few years ago, we put in a provision for folks who were married and then um, get divorced, depending yeah. upon the decision you make on what's called a pop-up provision. Okay. Um, so this allows you to treat, if, the, if you get divorced, mm-hmm. um, you're allowed, if you have agreement within the divorce proceeding and the documentation of, of the divorce proceeding, you can have the divorce be treated like death for the purposes of the pop-up provision where you go back to getting your single person pension. Mm -hmm. And that's already in the statute from a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but we didn't have that language for same sex domestic partners who, when that was being done, the law of the land in the United States was different with regard to same sex partnerships. And so now they were in many cases denied the ability to be married, but they might have uh, a same same sex dependent partner relationship. This now acknowledges that, and for that set of folks, it allows them to have the similar pop up option. So all that stuff was in Senate Bill seventy five. All but that last provision were in Senate Bill twenty. In thankfully, in the same language, so there's no conflicts. Yeah. Um, so that stuff all kicks into effect on August 28th and the earnings limit stuff and the critical shortage stuff will be applicable for next year. The 2.55 for anybody retiring on or after August 28th, uh, of this coming school year. 
That's great. So a lot of retirement. Yeah, that was that was the bulk. Really, that was the bulk of what was in education and past. Mm-hmm. There's a little little piece we liked. Um, this didn't get a lot of press yet because it hadn't quite come back home to roost. Okay. But a few years ago, the law about employee background checks got changed. We chatted about it briefly, yeah. Yeah, basically what it said was if you're a, you're a teacher or someone else employed in a district, every six years, for no other reason, basically, then we need to have you pay us some money to f- keep the funding for the background check system. You're going to have to go back and do a fingerprint background check and pay the 41 bucks. Yeah. And so we got that removed because, you know, public employees in general are not engaged in organized crime and mm-hmm. moving, removing their fingerprints. Yeah. Um, so there's no particular reason to, you know, and we have what's known as the rat bat program, which, you know, if they're already using that, if, the, if, if somebody commits an offense, there'll be a process by which the employer becomes aware of, you know, serious offenses committed by public employees none of that needs people to keep doing background checks and paying the 41 bucks. So uh, that provision, which had been in a house bill sponsored by representative Copeland, who's a retired uh, patrol officer, Mm -hmm. uh, that provision got into a bunch of bills, three of which got signed uh, Senate bill 186, Justin Brown, Senate bill 28 was also Justin Brown. And then Senate Bill 40 was Holly Thompson Rader. Yeah. All of those had that provision in it. All of them got signed. Okay. Um, so that was, that's kind of a little, a little feature, but, you know, a positive feature in that we eliminated something that was just not necessary. Okay. Now for the veto session that you just mentioned, is that something that absolutely always happens or only comes, only happens if they're going to act on a vetoed bill? Um, oh gosh, it's been a little while since I looked at that provision. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the governor, if they pass a bill early in session, mm-hmm. the governor only has 15 calendar days. So usually those early passed bills, if you get those, those have to be acted on right away. And the legislature has time to consider those during session. And they sometimes do that. Um, if there's the constitution basically says that when you have bills that become truly agreed to on or after basically five days before the last day of session, like that, basically that last week, yeah, then you're going to have a veto session. I'm just failing to remember off the top of my head because usually there are a couple of vetoes. We only had one this time, but I think even for sure one veto is enough to trigger that because that was, I think that was a, I think that was passed within that window where there wasn't a chance for the legislature to, to oh. come back and deal with it during the session. I see what you're saying. So, so I'm like pretty sure the, you know, what I, I'd have to go back and review is if they didn't pass any bills in that last week of session at all, Mm-hmm. Would that mean that there would be no triggering or, you know, if he doesn't ever veto anything? But that's pretty unlikely because in addition to the policy bills, you usually see a governor do a line item veto on at least one budget thing. And those are subject to the same type of, you know, they're, they, they're also in the 
the mix for the veto session. That was my next question was budget vetoes, line item vetoes. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the budget that the legislature did was a $1.7 billion bigger than what the governor asked for. And for whatever reason, he decided that he wanted to make it look like um, he was trimming that back down. So he about a third of that, so $555 million he cut. Uh, you know, if you squint, the budget for public education is still about the best you'll probably see. Right. Um, because, you know, you've got a total of $4 billion <clears throat> through the overall formula funding program. Now, like 360-something of that is classroom trust fund from Riverbrook Gambling. No, 340-something, 346 or something like that is pupil transportation, which is pretty much an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, you know, tax cuts that will probably come home to roost and you know, the, we've probably had discussions about how the state revenues have been higher because of various things, lots of federal money in the economy, et cetera. That's um, thought to be kind of on the tailing down direction. Yeah. Plus, as, as the income tax cuts, you know, a year ago they met in special session, cut income taxes. It's already down to top rate of income taxes, 4.95% for this year. And I think it may go to 4.8 next year. So you're, you're seeing significant reductions in the percentage, which typically, you know, the math kind of works. So if the, if people's earnings remain similar, you'll see less money coming in. And so it, it makes, makes it likely that we won't see, you know, big, as big a dollars in the budget overall for public education, because there was, in addition to you know the formula program, there was a lot of other kind of new provisions put in. One of the things that, that we were slightly disappointed was that we had worked with a couple of folks on the Senate side um, to put into the higher education budget $15 million for teacher training through the EMINS program at Mizzou for pro-social education. And that was one of the things that was vetoed by the governor in that 555 million. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously it was a new decision item, pretty big, $15 million. So it was probably in the category of things that a governor might say, Oh, well, you know, I don't want to veto, you know, sheltered workshop funding that's been stable for the last 40 years. Um, but I want to veto something. I'll pick something new. Um, and especially something that's $15 million, not 200,000. So it probably presented a, an attractive target, uh, but for whatever reason, that got vetoed. So that's not a part of the mix unless the legislature would want to override. And, you know, it's, it's hard to tell at this point. I think in my conversations with some of the legislators, a lot of people were upset by those vetoes. Whether or not that'll translate into override motions on the budget stuff is a separate question. Anything else that... I'm probably missing because I don't know to ask about it. <laughs> uh, not really, but I did quickly look up Article 3, Section 32. Okay. So the triggering of the oh, yeah. veto session okay. is based upon if the governor sends a bill back with his objections, i.e. the governor vetoes a bill on or after that, basically you know, the weekend before the last day of session. 
Okay. Then they will automatically reconvene in a veto session first Wednesday after the second Monday in September. So if he sends something, if he vetoes something, whether it's a line item budget veto, just one thing or a bill, mm-hmm. if he sends anything back after that date, then they come back in mid-September. It would have to be like he didn't veto anything at all um, after that date. If that, di- if that ever happened, we wouldn't have a veto session. Okay. Well, I, so hashtag words matter. That was our hashtag today. For sure. Words do matter. And, you know, when you're, when you're looking at the law, legislators always want to make sure that they do the, they say what they mean. Right. E- even if it takes some words, say what you mean. Say what you mean. Love it. Well, thanks, Otto, as always. I appreciate it. You're quite welcome. Welcome.